everyone, I'm Tony Shackle, pastor of Farm Hill Church. Our mission is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. We're so glad that you've tuned into this sermon podcast today. We believe that the message that you're about to hear is going to bless your soul. Be sure to check out the many other sermon and worship service podcasts we have available for you. You can also find additional resources and information about our church by visiting our website at farmhillchurch.faithlifesites.com or look us up on Facebook. Or better yet, make plans to join us during one of our upcoming live services. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and for Bible study every Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Now let's get right into today's message. This morning, and um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. 2 Samuel uh, chapter number 6, and we'll be, uh, we'll be making our way there here in just uh, a moment. 2 Samuel chapter number uh, 6, as you turn in there this morning, I want to read you a scripture um, uh, out of 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 13. But before I do that, let me give you the title of the message this morning. Uh, title of the message this morning is Proper Worship. Proper Worship. We're going to talk about what that means this morning. But 1 Chronicles chapter number 15, uh, in verse number 13 of that chapter, the Bible says this, For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. Because we did not consult him about the proper order. Amen. He did not consult about the proper order. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in proper worship uh, this morning. Amen. Under the old covenant, uh, God had a prescribed order for worship. Uh, We know that that prescribed order for worship uh, centered around the tabernacle. And it centered around... The temple, and in fact, uh, uh, we could say that not only did it just center around the tabernacle and the temple, but it also centered around something very specific, and that thing was uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night for those that were uh, in Bible study with us there. In fact, we've been talking about it for the last uh, several weeks, but the Ark of the Covenant was the centerpiece of worship in the Old Covenant. The the Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of God's presence, of God's power, of God's protection, of God's provision uh, for His people. And it was, amen, uh, centered in there a place called the Holy of Holies behind a veil, uh, behind a curtain, if you will, that... Amen. Only one person could go in there one time a year. That was the high priest. And there were only certain people that were uh, allowed to carry the ark. And there was a certain way that that ark had to be carried. There were rings on the side of it and poles were inserted. And those Levites would lift up the ark of the covenant and carry it on their shoulders. There was a certain way that those things were to be done. And when we see a picture of Israel... In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, I mean, we see during the time that Moses and the Israelites are wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, I mean, the Bible says that God gave a prescribed order in the way that they were to arrange themselves around the tabernacle. 
In fact, there was in the center there, the tabernacle was set up, and that tabernacle faced east. The door that opened faced toward the east, and there were three tribes to the north, there were three tribes to the east, there were three tribes to the south, and there were three tribes to the west. And the Bible says as they walked around, as they moved from place to place, they would arrange themselves in that way as they moved through the wilderness. Now, I want you to get a picture in your mind just for a second. Amen. Because if you go back and read through the account of those tribes, and we go through this long Amen. Chapters, these long chapters that give us this boring description of how many people are in each tribe. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember reading through those things? Why in the world did God give us all this detail about how many people are in each tribe? Well, let me give you a little picture this morning. There were more people in the south than there were in the north. There were about as many people in the east as there was in the west. So as you picture that this morning, amen, these tribes gathered around the tabernacle on the north, the south, the east, and the west, uh, amen, it's a little bit shorter on the top. It's a little bit longer on the bottom. It's about the same on each side. So if you were in an airplane, if there had been one back then, or if there had been a satellite that was taking snapping photographs, uh, amen, but God looking down from heaven, uh, amen, could have seen the picture of a cross, uh, amen, wandering through the wilderness, uh, amen, making their way through that time, centered around a place uh, in the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant behind a veil, amen, where God's presence dwelt. And there was only one way in the tabernacle. There was only one way into the Holy of Holies. There was only one direction, one way, one truth, one life. Come on, somebody. Amen. Into the presence of God, and you had to come in through the east. That's the only door. There was no back door to the tabernacle, only a front door. There are not many ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. you got to come through Him. Well, guess which tribe... God prescribed to be on the east side of the tabernacle. To be the head of the three tribes that were gathered there, it was the tribe of Judah. And if you've been following along in your Bibles and you've been following along with us, uh, amen, you'll know that Jesus descended from the tribe of Judah. The Bible says he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And you can't, come on, you can't get into the presence of God You can't come into his presence. You can't worship God properly, amen, unless you come through Judah, through the lion of the tribe of Judah, through Jesus Christ. Now, anybody want to take a guess what Judah means? Does anybody remember? Judah means praise. Judah means praise. What's your point, Brother Tony? That was a long road to get to this point. You will not, I will not, we cannot get into the presence of God and enter into proper worship uh, that we need to enter in with God until we come through some praise uh, and through some, uh, amen, glory given to Jesus' name this morning. Uh, If you're going to experience uh, the power and the presence of God, uh, amen, it's going to come through some praise in our life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you say, what, what, that's a beautiful picture, Brother Tony, but that's the old covenant. Oh, that's right. You say, we don't have the tabernacle anymore. We don't have the temple anymore. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant anymore. We've been talking about this 
on Wednesday night. We don't have need of those things anymore. And you're right. We don't have those Old Testament sacrifices. We don't have that way to come to God, amen, in the day and hour we're living in today under the new covenant. Amen. God's presence does not just dwell in a tabernacle or a temple in Jerusalem. Can somebody thank God for that? The Bible says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That He dwells in us and with us. Amen. The, the author of Hebrews, amen, there we hadn't got, it, got to it yet in our Bible study, but the author of Hebrews reminds us that God still has a prescribed order for worship under the new covenant. Hebrews chapter number 13 verse 15 says this, Therefore, by Him, by Christ, let us continually, somebody say continually, continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. Amen. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. you got to understand something this morning, church. Sometimes praise is a sacrifice. I mean, sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel good. Sometimes I ain't got, amen, goose pimples running all around me, amen, making me feel something. Uh, amen, sometimes, uh, amen, my body just doesn't, uh, amen, want to cooperate. Sometimes my mind just doesn't want to cooperate. Uh, amen, but what he says here in this verse uh, is something we need to take to heart. Uh, amen, church, we need to be lifting up uh, and letting our praise, uh, amen, be on our lips continually. Uh, amen, thanking God for what he has done for us. Amen. But here in 2 Samuel chapter number 6, we, we find King David and Israel in the middle of a crisis. The Ark of the Covenant, the centerpiece of Israel's worship in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, is missing. It's gone. It's been taken. In fact, the Philistines, the Philistine amens, have taken it in battle. They have stolen it. And the Bible says that God sent a plague among the, among the Philistines. So much so, amen, it was so uncomfortable for them that they had to, they had to get rid of this thing. They sent the, the Ark of the Covenant back toward Israel. They hitched it up, they put it on a cart and it hitched it up to two milk cows that had never had a yoke on them before. Amen, didn't know where to go, what to do, how to even pull anything. Uh, and said, we're going to set this thing loose and if it ends up back in Israel, then we'll know, amen, it was intended to go back to Israel. <laughs> if it comes back here, then we'll know, amen, it was just a coincidence that all these things happened to us. Well, the Bible says, these cows, these two cows, milk cows, uh, amen, made a beeline, uh, amen, for Israel. They made a beeline toward Jerusalem. They said they were mooing, uh, amen, on the way. They knew, amen, there was a couple cows, uh, amen, that knew how to praise God and said, hey, uh, amen, something's about that proper worship uh, is about to be restored back, uh, amen, to the people of God. Uh, I wish to God this morning, uh, amen, we had the heart uh, of some milk cows this morning. Uh, if all we could say is moo, uh, amen, or whatever, uh, give God some praise and glory for what he has done for us. Well, these, these cows take this cart to the place, a house of a man by the name of Abinadab. And the Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant remained at the house of Abinadab for 20 years. 20 years. 
Imagine this. The Philistines had stolen it. They didn't keep it long because God sent some terrible plagues. I mean, you can go read it and think about it, talk about it. I mean, it was some terrible stuff. Amen. The Philistines didn't have it long. It starts making its way back toward Jerusalem, but it ends up in the house of a man named Abinadab, and it stays there for 20 years. It doesn't return back to the place where it belongs. Amen. Let me say this this morning, church. Our worship has been sitting dormant. For too long. Amen. Our worship has been sitting dormant. Amen. For too long. If we could just see how close we are to the presence of God. If we could just see how close we are to the proper worship. The prescribed order that God, I believe, has for us in His Word. Uh, Amen. I believe, amen, today we are on the cusp. uh, Amen. We are on the threshold. uh, Amen. We are in a place right now. Amen. Where God's presence is so close. uh, But it has been sitting dormant at our churches. uh, Amen. For far too long. uh, And it's time for some of us, uh, amen, to come out of our shells uh, and come out uh, Amen, of a place, uh, amen, of discouragement uh, and come out of a place of quietness uh, if you'll help me this morning uh, and let uh, his praises uh, continually be on our lips this morning. I got to slow down or I'm going to preach myself out before I get to the end of this thing this morning. Amen. Our worship has been sitting dormant for too long. David finally decided that he's going to get the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, back to where it belongs and restore some proper worship. And so, I mean, I want you there with me, if you will, in 2 Samuel chapter, amen, number 6. And we're going to talk about this story. As David begins to bring, decides to bring this Ark of the Covenant back to the place of Jerusalem, back to the temple, back to where it belongs. And in 2 Samuel chapter number 6, we're going to pick up reading there in verse number 1. And we're actually just going to take it a little by little this morning, verse, a couple verses at a time, sometimes one verse at a time. But my first point is this. David had, to, he had a desire, excuse me, to restore proper worship. Let me say that again. David had a desire to restore proper worship. Look at, look at verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. How many people does it take to move an ark? I mean, this, this thing probably was a, smaller than this table. 30,000, David said, I'm going to send 30,000 men, choice men, not just any men, good men, men of war. Men that know what they're doing. David gathered these 30,000, verse 2, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. You see, David had a desire to restore some proper worship to the house of God, to the place, amen, that uh, it, it belonged to. Amen. This morning, church, I want to encourage you. Amen. We need a desire. We need a, a, a greater desire this morning, amen, for the presence of God in our lives. Amen. We need that same heart that David had to say. Uh, amen. It's been dormant for too long. Uh, the presence of God uh, has not been present uh, for too long. Uh, it's time uh, to let loose uh, and it's time to let go. Uh, it's time to shake off the chains uh, that have bound us and held us down. Uh, it's time to get loose. Uh, amen. From some spirit of heaviness uh, that has come upon us. Uh, and it's time to put on a garment of praise. 
knees uh, and say this morning, uh, I ain't going to let, uh, amen, some rocks uh, cry out in my place. Uh, I'm not going to let something else uh, praise God for me. Uh, if the heavens uh, can declare his glory. If, come on somebody, if a moo, if a moo cow, uh, amen, can praise the Lord, uh, if God can speak through a donkey and, and correct a prophet, uh, amen, my Lord, my God, let my lips, let my mouth, amen, issue forth your praise this morning. Jesus said, he's coming into Jerusalem People are worshiping him, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And there's all these religious people. Y'all know the religious type, right? There's all these religious people that are saying, would y'all just hush and be quiet? Y'all being too loud? You're going to disturb somebody. And Jesus told them exactly what I just said a second ago. I wish I'd have brought some rocks this morning. He looked around and he said, if these be quiet, these rocks are going to start crying out. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The Bible says that all of creation is groaning, awaiting, amen, the redemption, amen, of not only us, amen, but the, 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 the creation itself, amen, that is going to be restored again one day, amen. The cry of the heart, amen, of the world today should be toward God and Jesus Christ, amen, and we should have that desire in our hearts for more of God's presence. Hallelujah. Not only should we have that desire for God's presence, but I want you to know this morning that God does have a prescribed order for the type of worship that He wants. Amen. And we see that here in 2 Samuel 6. Look at verse number 3. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. Now, if you just pay attention at the beginning, how did I tell you? Does anybody remember? How did I tell you that God said the prescribed order was for how they were to transport the Ark of the Covenant? How were they to do that? They were to carry it on their shoulders with the poles, right? What's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this verse? What are they doing wrong? They set the Ark of God on a new cart. The same things the Philistines, the pagans had done to send this thing back to them. They follow the same pattern, put it on a new cart, which God didn't say do. And I'm not sure, I don't know that we know in the word of God whether Abinadab, Uzzah, and Ahio, whose two sons are even Levites. So already we got a problem here. We're not following God's prescribed order for worship. And it causes some problems and some issues, amen, that we're going to see here in just a moment. Amen. But the point is this this morning. God desires us to worship Him according to the prescribed way that He has called us to do it. What is that? What is that this morning? How are we to worship Him? Well, we said, well, we don't have the tabernacle anymore. We don't have the temple anymore. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant anymore. We're not following this same pattern that we're talking about here in the Old Testament. What is it? What is the pattern? What is the proper order? What is the procedure? What does God expect of us? Well, we've already read one verse. 
in Hebrews to continually let the praise come off of our lips, right? But the Bible also says that Jesus is talking to a woman at a well one day. And he's already come there for a purpose and for a reason in her life to transform her life. But in the middle of that, he gives her a lesson and gives us a lesson on praise, on proper worship. Because he says, you know, the the woman says, well, you Jews say that only in Jerusalem should God be worshipped. You know, on the hill up here in Samaria, on the mountain in Samaria is not where God's to be worshipped. And Jesus said, okay. I'm with you, but, but understand this. There is coming a day where neither in Jerusalem nor on this mountain in Samaria will they worship God. Not just in those places. Because God desires people to worship Him. And God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth in spirit and in truth amen what does that mean this morning amen that means this morning uh, amen I might have to just get out uh, amen of my amen routine I might have to get out amen of the amen place where I find myself sometimes where I don't feel like it my brain hurts my amen my, my back hurts my leg hurts amen my amen I pick around with them sometimes and uh, I'll tell them you know what's hurting I mean everything hurts from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet I'm hurting all over uh, amen I might not feel like it uh, it might not be on my agenda, amen, but I need to start worshiping God uh, in spirit and in truth. To allow the Holy Spirit to come in me, work through me, uh, amen, to be with me in my heart and life, uh, to turn loose and say, God, uh, amen, I know this is physical. I know I'm giving you the lips, uh, amen, of my praise. I know I'm shaking my hands in the air, amen, I know I'm moving my feet, uh, amen, or whatever it is, uh, amen, but it's beyond just the physical. There is some spiritual that is going on behind it, amen, and we got to worship him in truth. Truth, truth, truth. What does that mean? You know what I think it really means when, it, when we boil down the whole thing? I think it means sincerity. I think it means genuineness. I think it means not pretentious, not fake, not phony, not wanting somebody to see us, not to check a box on a on something because the pastor said we got to worship, we got to praise. Amen. Let's do it. Let's, let's just do it. Amen. They, they're singing a song and they said, Well, you know, would you wave your hands at us every once in a while? It's not because somebody asked us to do it. True worship is proper worship when it comes from the heart and it is in truth and sincerity in our lives. Amen. R.C. Sproul said this To worship God in truth is to worship Him as He commands. He didn't leave us a whole lot of wiggle room there, did he? He didn't say as God recommends or suggests. Amen. He says it is as he commands this morning. And let me tell you this. God will bless proper worship. God will bless proper worship. Amen. Skip down to verse number 12 in chapter 6. Look down to verse number 12. The Bible says, Now it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Now, pause there just for a second. What's happened here? 
Well, amen, we preached this message, amen, a long time back. I don't remember how long it's been now, but the title of the message was Good Intention, Bad Decision. And it was the whole story about uh, Uzzah, uh, because as they're driving this cart, as they're taking the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Abinadab toward Jerusalem, the Bible says, amen, that one of the oxen stumbled, fell in a hole, whatever. And the cart shook. And when the cart shook, the Ark of the Covenant began to slide. And Uzzah is standing there on one side, Ohio on the other, and they're driving the cart. And as that cart begins to slide off, Uzzah reaches out and touches it to keep it from falling. And the Bible says the presence of the Lord came out and struck him dead right there. Why? Because God's prescribed order of worship was this. Thou shalt not touch the Ark of the Covenant, and if you do, you will die. That's what God had already said. Don't touch it. That's why you use the poles and carry it on your shoulders. You don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. What did Uzzah do? He touched the Ark of the Covenant. You say, well, he was doing something good. Yeah, good intention, bad decision. Hey, man, just because something is a good intention, I mean, if it doesn't follow along with God's plan and his commands, don't do it. The Bible says Uzzah died, and because Uzzah died in that place, David got discouraged, and he said, man, I'm fearful, I'm afraid, I don't want to move this thing any further. So they took it to the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom for three months. The Ark of the Covenant is in this man's house, or at this man's house. And the Bible says during that three months, God blessed Obed-Edom. Multiplied upon multiplied blessings came to his house and his family because of the presence of God that was there in his house. Now, I have to guess, but I think it's a true guess this morning. I think it's an accurate guess this morning that Obed-Edom must have had the right heart and the right attitude toward God while that ark was there with him, and he treated it with the proper respect that it deserved. And because of that, God blessed him. Amen. So it says this, the Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. David went from fear to gladness. He went from disappointment to joy because he saw the blessing that had come upon the house of Obed-Edom. He said this, we've messed up. We've done it wrong. We've got the worship out of the proper order that it's supposed to be in. But there's hope. Because if we'll get it back into the proper order that it belongs, there is blessing that comes in our worship. There is blessing that is going to come from the presence of God being with us. Amen. God's presence this morning, church, is our source of blessings. You can have everything else you want. Amen. We could have the house filled up this morning, packed so tight you couldn't get another body in this place. Amen. We could have the best Starbucks in the back corner that you've ever had in your life. Amen. Come on. We could have Chris Tomlin up here leading the worship. Ain't nothing wrong with Chris Tomlin. I ain't saying that. But here's what I am saying. All that is meaningless, worthless, no good, if we are not worshiping God in the proper way. All of that is just a show. It's a facade. It's a stained glass masquerade. 
Amen. We're just, amen. We can just be pretending to be a, we can be pretending to be worshipers. We can be pretending to be praisers. We can be pretending to want to be in the presence of God. And really, all we wanted was a nice macchiato. Come on. We've got to get it back to where it needs to be. And when we do, God's blessings will follow us. Amen. God's blessings, uh, amen, are in His presence. Uh, And I don't know about you, but this morning I want to be uh, in the presence of Almighty God. I want His blessings uh, upon my life and upon my family. Uh, Amen. I want Him, amen, leading and guiding and directing my life. And I want my life to be lined up in the proper way. Living my life and worshiping Him in the way that He has called us to do it. Amen. God... His presence is our source of blessings. But notice this. David offered some extravagant worship to the Lord. What do you mean? Well, look at verses 13 through 15. The Bible says, And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he, that David, sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Pause there just a second. I want you to notice what's going on here. I don't know how far it was completely from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem, to the house of David, to the city of David, to the place where the tent, the tabernacle, the place that David is going to bring it back to at this time. And he says, when they had walked six paces, one, two, three, four, Five, six, stop, sacrifice some animals, worship God. One, two, three, four, five, six. I got to take short steps or I'm going to be into the wall. Amen. Sacrifice some more animals. One, two, three, four. Can you imagine the, the heart that David had to say, God, I'm, I'm going to give you the best. I'm going to bring you a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to bring the very best that I have to offer. I'm going to give you as much as I possibly can. I'm going to go over the top, extravagant. uh, Amen. This is not going to be some little thing. Uh, God, I'm going to make sure this is a big thing because you deserve it. Look at verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. David danced before the Lord. What would, what would happen? What would y'all think if I just started dancing? If I just showed up next Sunday morning, y'all don't tell some of the ones that ain't here. I just show up next Sunday morning, and instead of starting off a prayer or doing the thing like we normally do, I just got up here and started cutting a rug. What would y'all think? Lost his mind? Done gone crazy. What's done happened to him, right? Amen. David said, you know what? Amen. I'm going to give God everything I have to give. I'm going to give him my voice. I'm going to give him my praise. I'm going to give him my, the sacrifice of my animals, my flocks, and everything. I'm going to give him everything that I have. And I'm going to dance before the Lord. But I want you to notice how he danced before the Lord. He just didn't do the jig, y'all. Amen. He wasn't doing the Texas two-step or the latest line dance. The Bible says he was dancing before the people. 
He was dancing before the Lord with what? With just kind of half-heartedly? No, with all of his might. And the Bible says he was wearing a linen ephod. Now, I want to I want to stop there just for a second. So I want you to understand what David is doing. What that means is David had taken off his royal robes as king. And he left on the linen undergarment, which would have been basically the same thing that the priests and the Levites and the other worshipers were wearing. David humbled himself down to be just like everybody else and said, Today is not about me being king. Today is not about me being exalted. Today is not about people bowing down before me. Today is about me dancing before the Lord as just one of the Israelites, uh, as just a man, as just a human being to say, God, I love you and I'm going to give you everything that I have. Look at verse 15. This is crazy. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. I want you... (laughs) I want you to picture this in your mind just for a minute. What's going on? This is the biggest parade that you could possibly imagine. They are parading the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom to the house of David, to the city of David. And it is the biggest parade that you could imagine. There is shouting. There's Trump. There's a marching band, y'all. That is following along. There is singing. There is joy. Amen. There is happiness. Amen. There's some shouts and saying, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You're coming back again. God, your presence is with us. God, we need you right now. And David is dancing. And some of the other Levites, I ain't even going to try this morning because y'all going to laugh at me, I know. Uh, amen. But I feel like moving just a little bit this morning. Uh, amen. David is dancing before the Lord, all his might, saying, God, uh, amen, thank you. God, we're going to worship you. God, we're going to praise you. God, we're going to bring the sacrifice of praise to you. And it was the best all-you-could-eat barbecue that you could imagine. They had the animals being sacrificed. Uh, amen. They had the amen. The sound of the trumpet. They had the marching band. They had the dancers. They had the shouters and the singers. Uh, amen. This was not some small thing. This was an extravagant worship that David said, I'm going to bring to God. Let me say this to you, church, this morning. It is proper to offer extravagant worship to God, to the Lord this morning. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to get excited once in a while. It's okay to let some praise come off of your lips and say, thank you, Jesus. You know, God can read your mind, but He wants to read more than your mind. He wants to read your lips, and He wants to do more than read your lips. He wants to hear your voice. You can't shout in your head. What were they doing? They were shouting. You can't shout inside your head. You can't do it. You can try. It won't work. You can't shout quietly. That's the whole point of shouting. <laughs> Amen. He, they lifted up a shout of praise. Why? Because God had done something for them. Because God meant something to them. Amen. Now, I ain't going to get on nobody this morning, but y'all just, y'all just bear with me just for a second. Because some of y'all say, oh, you're going to dance and you're going to shout and you're going to do all these crazy things in the house of God? Well, let's talk about it for a minute. Because I've done it before myself. I watch it. I like watching it. Hey, man, I remember a man, 
amen, that used to play for the New Orleans Saints, running back, long time back in the day, amen, when he scored a touchdown, he did the icky shuffle. Some of y'all, I ain't going to do it, y'all know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. He had a dance move that he did every time he scored a touchdown. Now it's become a thing, right? Everybody's got to do something. They're all lining up like they're taking pictures. Uh, I mean, they're doing all this craziness and I mean, all this stuff that's going on. They've tried to stop them from doing some of this stuff, but they're still going to do it. I mean, when somebody scores a touchdown, uh, somebody gets excited. And somebody starts dancing. And if you look up in the crowd and if you just listen for a minute, uh, amen, there might be 50, 60,000, 100,000 people up in the stands uh, up on their feet screaming at the top of their lungs uh, with their hands raised up going, whoa. Am I wrong about it? Some people that go to a concert, come on. And when the favorite song hits, amen, they come up out the seat and they start moving just a little. Hey, that's my jam right there. Amen. Go ahead, sing it, brother. Go ahead, sing it, sister. Amen. I need to hear that song again. Somebody will get excited. Amen. About something going on on the stage. We'll get excited about the touchdown. We'll get excited about a lot of things. Woo. When Wednesday night, breakfast night comes around. The Holy Ghost starts moving. Why is it so hard for us to get excited about the things of God? When tomorrow, that touchdown won't mean a thing. Next year, that touchdown won't mean a thing. That concert, that, that person singing, it's great, whatever. If you like it, whatever. But it will not change your life. Why can't we get excited about something that will change your life? Literally. Why don't we get excited about something that will give you eternal life? Why don't we get excited about the things of God? Why don't we get excited about what God has already done for us? We sang the song this morning. God laid that song in your heart. We've got so much to thank you for. Now, every single one of us could look at our lives right now and say, there's some areas that are screwed up, messed up, broke down, busted up, shattered. Every one of us could look at our lives and say that. But I promise you, if you'll start counting some blessings this morning, You'll see how good God has really been to you in your life. You'll see how God has directed your steps. You'll see how God has been with your family. You'll see how God, amen, is still with you right now. You'll see how God has never left you nor forsaken you, but he's been with you through it all, through the mess, through the shatter, through the glass, through the things of this world that have tried to bring you down and destroy you. God is still with you. And because of that this morning, church, we've got too much. I'm going to change the words of that song. we got too much to thank him for, not to praise him. And I hope it's okay with you. There's a song that comes to mind. I think Jason Crabb sings it. He says, if I shout, Lord, I'm shouting. 
Amen. From a from a heart that's been redeemed. Lord, if, if I if I run, God, I'm running from a past that's been redeemed. God, to the world it might look crazy, but there's just no telling what I'm about to do when I remember all the good things God has done for me in my life. Amen. If I take off running every once in a while, y'all just overlook me. Amen. If I dance in the spirit every once in a while, y'all just overlook me. Amen. If I get happy every once in a while, I guess overlook. Or Here's a novel idea. Why not join me? Amen. Amen. Why not? Amen. Grab a hold of something in your life. Amen. Why not begin to seek God? Why not ask God for something and say, God, I need something in my life. I want to feel your presence. It's been dormant for too long, and I need it in my life. Extravagant worship. Number, number five here. But notice what happened. David's wife, Michael, got jealous. All right, y'all ladies, stay with me just a minute. Look at verse 16. I ain't talking about ladies this morning. I'm just talking about her. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, who was, it's interesting that the Bible describes her this way because it was David's wife, also Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now, look down at verse number 20. Then David returned. David had blessed some people. He sent them home with some food. And then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. In other words, can I put it to y'all in modern language this morning she said who do you think you was up out there showing off yourself and all them pretty ladies out there watching you dancing around in your little linen ephod Michael got jealous a spirit of jealousy rose up in her heart to say hey man what's who, who do you think you are she was more Come on, stay with me. She was more worried about what the ladies were doing. She was more worried about what her man was up to. She was more worried about whose eyes was on him and what he was doing and why he was doing it instead of having her heart and her eyes and her mind where it should have been on the Ark of the Covenant and what's taking place in the worship that David is bringing back. She should have been happy. She should have been glad and joyful that this was taking place but instead she allowed jealousy to rise up in her heart I want to tell you something church this morning the devil is going to try everything he can to hinder your worship he's going to try everything he can to hinder your worship he'll put things in your mind and say that's just silly if you do that they're going to laugh at you. If you do that, nobody's going to pay attention to you anyway. They're going to think you're crazy, lost your mind, done gone bonkers. Hey, man, we used to have a word from that back in high school, man, fruitcake. You're just a fruitcake now. you just you just doing that for yourself anyway. God ain't, God ain't watching that mess. The devil will try everything that he can do to try to hinder your praise and your worship. 
But here's the thing. I like what Dwight L. Moody, you mentioned Dwight L. Moody this morning, didn't you? Amen. I got Dwight L. Moody in my sermon this morning too. Amen. He's uh, amen. He's getting some publicity this morning. Amen. Dwight L. Moody said this, Satan doesn't care what we worship as long as we don't worship God. Uh, that hit home, didn't it? Because <laughs> if we ain't careful, I'm going to duck down right here just in case one of y'all got one of them big hymnal books. Huh? Amen. Because we can sit and watch a TV and worship a pigskin getting thrown around a field. Uh, amen. We can worship somebody standing up on a sage, stage, uh, amen, singing our favorite song. Uh, and the devil don't care about that. He don't care how loud we get, uh, amen, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, amen. When the, when the Packers, uh, amen, are playing the, the Redskins, uh, amen, what he wants to do uh, is keep us from worshiping the one true living God to keep us from that proper worship uh, that God wants us to have for him. Thank God nobody threw a book this morning. Man. But it's the truth. God desires us to worship him. We got to worship him in spirit and in truth. But here's the thing. The devil's going to try to stop it every way that he can. But here's what David did. David promised to become even more undignified with his worship. I like that. I mean, that's why. Hey, man, I, I stuck with the New King James this morning because it used that word undignified. I mean, I just, I mean, it really drives home the point he's trying to make here. I mean, look at, look at verses 21 and 22. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. Verse 22. And I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. You know what David said? David said, I don't care what you say. I'm going to worship God anyway. I don't care if you like the way I worship. I'm going to worship God in spirit and in truth, and I'm going to worship them the way I feel like worshiping him. You know what David said? He said, Michael, you don't know what I've been through. You, you don't know. Amen. What God brought me out of. That I was the youngest son of my father, Jesse. That I was just a little ruddy, runt of the litter, shepherd boy out in a field one day when the prophet Samuel come by to daddy's house and said, I'm fixing to anoint one of your sons king. And they went through every single one of my brothers because they started at the oldest and went toward the youngest. Uh, and nobody even cared to call me home for this meeting. I'm still out in the field shepherding the flock because daddy said there's no way they'll choose you. And finally, I got the call to come back to the house. And here's this prophet Samuel who pours this oil on my head and said, I'm anointing you as king. Uh, amen. I saw a time, amen, where God brought me through, uh, amen, some terrible times. Uh, he let me destroy a bear with my bare hands. Uh, I destroyed a lion uh, with my bare hands. Uh, I was there, uh, amen, when a nine-foot, nine-inch tall giant was standing before the people of God. And all I had was a sling and a stone. Uh, and I let go of the stone uh, and God directed it and destroyed a giant see Michael you don't know what I've been through to get where I am right now <laughs> some of you got here this morning you don't know what I've been through uh, to get where I am right now and if I praise God just a little while if I get a little loud this morning it's because of what God has done for me hallelujah 
Hallelujah. If our worship honors God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Some of y'all been through some stuff. Some of y'all going through some stuff right now. Some of y'all come through some things. You can look back over your life right now. And you can sit here and you can say, I don't know how in the world I made it through that time of my life. I don't, I don't know how I would have made it through that moment had it not been for God. So I, y'all, I believe when we get to heaven, let me just say this. Let me just back up just for a minute. Let me start over. Some people just don't like it loud. And I, I get it, okay? I get it. Not everybody worships the Lord the same way. That's fine. But if you think heaven's going to be quiet, you got another thing coming. If you don't like worshiping God down here, you're not going to like heaven. Because there's going to be worshiping going on. People are going to be shouting and screaming, hollering, amen, glory, amen, Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Tens of thousands and millions and billions and trillions of people are going to be shouting at the same time. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And if you think hell's going to be any quieter, you got another thing coming too. The Bible says there's going to be screams. There's going to be torment. Amen. Neither heaven nor hell is going to be a quiet place, so you might as well just go ahead and get used, uh, used to what's going to take place, uh, amen, when we get there, <laughs> amen, because when I stand before the throne, uh, amen, I can promise you I'm not just going to stand there. Isn't this place pretty? <laughs> I mean, have you, have you seen those streets there? Have you seen those streets of gold? I mean, that, that's pretty amazing right there. Uh-uh, no sir, no ma'am. When I get to heaven, just like Fanny Crosby, whether I have eyesight in the natural when I leave this world or not, when my eyes open up and I see heaven and I see glory and I see my Savior Jesus, you will not keep me quiet, and you will not keep me still, and I will shout the praises of God. I'm going to let him know, thank you, Jesus, amen, for what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me through those trials. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me through that dark time of my life. I'm going to lay my crown, amen, and throw it down at Jesus' feet and bow at his feet and worship him with everything that I have. Amen. This morning, our worship Honors God when it does. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. But look, look at this final verse. The Lord rebuked Michael. Look at what he did. Verse 23. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. I don't want you to miss that. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. It immediately follows this criticism that she's just given to David because of his worship. So we can put two and two together and understand that the reason why Michael did not have any children until the day of her death was because of her criticism of her husband's worship. See, that's strong, Brother Tony. I know it's strong. 
And it's God's word this morning, and it's true. And let me tell you this, critical Michael spirits will lead to spiritual barrenness. Critical Michael spirits will lead to spiritual barrenness. In other words, the presence of God will not be present where he is criticized. Because you're not just making fun of the person. Michael wasn't just making fun of David. She was actually being irreverent to God himself. So here's the point I want to make as I close this morning. We need to get all the Michael spirits out of the church. We need to get all the critical Michael spirits out of the church. Why? Amen. Because until we do, God's present will not be present the way we want him to be present. As long as our hearts are not in a mode of proper worship and, not, and, and, and until we get our lives lined up and our hearts lined up and say, God, I want you and I want only you and I don't care what my worship looks like. I'm just going to let it come out of my heart. I'm going to let it come out of my spirit. And God, I'm going to worship you in sincerity and in truth. Until we get those things out of the way, God's presence is going to, presence is going to be lacking in our lives, in our churches, in our communities. Let me give you five things real quick. I'm going to summarize some things we talked about this morning. Five things about proper worship. Number one, it was joyous. Joyous. The Bible says David brought the Ark of the Covenant back from the house of Obed-Edom with gladness. Amen. This morning, amen, our worship is going to be joyous. The Bible says, amen, this life is joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. There is joy in the presence of God. Amen. And in being in His presence and there is joy in worshiping Him this morning. Number two, it is reverent. It's reverent. Amen. We understand who God is. We understand who we're worshiping. Amen. And we have a desire to do that in the right way. Amen. And honor him with everything that we do. Amen. Number three, it's extravagant. Uh, amen. It'd be all right once in a while if we gave God a little bit of an extravagant praise uh, in the house of God. A little above and beyond. Uh, amen. What we are accustomed to doing. Uh, amen. And give God something out of our hearts. Uh, amen. To say, God, I'm giving you a sacrifice. Because, uh, amen, let me tell you this. Uh, if your worship doesn't cost you anything, uh, amen, it's worth, uh, amen, what you spin on it. It's worth nothing. If your worship doesn't cost you something, it's worth nothing. I mean, this morning. Extravagant praise. Number four, it needs to be a little undignified every once in a while. Man. <laughs> God bring, I know God's got a sense of humor because he brings things back to my mind in just weird moments in the sermon. <laughs> Brother Ben, I appreciate this one. Hey, Amen. When I think of, because I titled this message Proper Worship, and, and there's truth in that title, proper, what it should be. But it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, too, because when we think proper, we think proper, like it's got to be dignified, kind of like our Secretary of Transportation in Palestine, Ohio, pointing at the train wreckage in his brand new shoes and safety vest that has never been worn before. Proper worship. Let's get rid of some bloody 
proper worship and get a little undignified every once in a while. Amen. Let loose and say, God, if I got to take off the tie, the jacket, the whatever, and get just a little bit loose so I can move a little bit, God, if it's a little bit undignified to somebody else, it's glorious to you. Amen. I didn't name no names, so. Glory, Honolulu. Number five, it's got to be humble. Because you can be undignified and you can be proud. You can be extravagant and you can be proud. Come on. You can even be reverent and joyous and be proud. But unless you're humble, amen, it's not proper worship. Amen. David was humble. The Bible says, I'm going to be even more undignified than this, and I will be humble in my own sight. In other words, he said, Michael, wife, I love you, but I didn't do this so that these ladies over here would watch what I'm doing. I didn't do it so you would watch what I'm doing. I didn't do this for anybody else. I didn't do this so that the whole nation of Israel can go look at what our king is doing. The only person I cared about in that moment was, was him. And if i got to humble myself and take off my royal robes to say I am today not just a king, I am not your ruler, I am not the one to be worshipped or to be dignified this morning, I'm going to humble myself before God and show you my heart. Amen. This morning, church, amen, well, beyond anything else that we can do, our worship needs to be humble in the sight of the Lord. Let me read this quote and I'm done. A.W. Tozer says this, Worship is the missing jewel in modern, modern evangelicalism. We're organized, we work, we have our agendas, we have almost everything, but there's one thing that the churches, even the gospel churches, I think he's talking about us here, I don't know, do not have. That is the ability to worship. We are not cultivating the art of worship. It's the one shining gem that is lost to the modern church. And I believe we ought to search for this until we find it. This morning, church, I'm on a journey. This morning, church, I'm on a treasure hunt. This morning, church, I'm hoping you'll join me on this journey and this treasure hunt. As A.W. Tozer said, to search for true and proper worship until we find it. Because when we do, the presence of God, amen, will be right there. The presence of God will be in our life. The blessings will come. The things will happen. God will move. Uh, amen. We'll know it, amen, this morning when we get in that place of proper worship. Stand with me this morning if you can stand. I love you this morning. I believe God is speaking to our hearts and speaking to our church and speaking to our nation, to be honest with you. There's a, there's a song. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We pray it has been a blessing and encouragement to you. Don't forget you can find out more about our church by visiting our website at farmhillchurch.faithlifesites.com or you can look us up on Facebook. May God bless you. 
We look forward to seeing you at Farm Hill Church very soon.